Well, that'll wake you up on a cold, dark morning, won't it? From the epistle of 1 John in the third chapter comes a reading for us, the children of God. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What will be has not yet been revealed. And what we do know is this. When He is revealed... We will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. And then we'll move today from Revelation. Don't be frightened. Yes, it is a difficult book. Most biblical scholars, if they're honest, will tell you we don't really know what it's about or what it says. But this is good today. From the ninth, from the seventh chapter, starting at the ninth verse. After this, I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could even count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne. And to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, singing, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, robed in white? And where have they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have been they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship Him day and night within His temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more. They will thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of the water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. 
Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I've been talking to my Catholic friend, Debbie Briding, about All Saints Day and All Souls Day. Yesterday, in the Catholic tradition, was All Hallows' Eve, Halloween, and today is All Saints' Day, and tomorrow is All Souls' Day. And I will confess to you, as a good Scots Presbyterian, I don't understand any of that. It doesn't make sense to me. And so today I watched the Mass. God bless the people of Our Lady of Peace and Sherard. I love you. And I listened very carefully to your priest, who is a lovely young man from India who's come here to serve. And he explained all this. And I will confess to you as a good Scots Presbyterian, I still don't know what he was talking about. But there's something going on this weekend about saints, and of course in the Catholic Church they have saints with a capital S, you know, St. Mary, St. Joseph, St. Michael, who intercede in prayer for you, which I find a fascinating concept, but one that I also confess to not really understanding. And then they have saints with a small s, who are people like you and me, who do our best every day to follow Jesus and live in the way of the kingdom of God. And I think somewhere in the midst of all of this stuff they're doing that they're celebrating these various kinds of saints in the course of, how am I doing? In the course of having All Saints Day and All Souls Day. So today I want to talk to you... Now, as Protestants, we don't have saints with capital S's. We're all saints with small S's. That's pretty good, huh? I want to talk to you about one of the saints I knew. She was named Alice Driscoll. My first official act when I took my church in Nebraska was to go to Alice Driscoll's 85th birthday party. And the day that I moved in, the truck came in the morning, and by 10 o'clock that morning, Alice Driscoll was at my door saying, Now, don't you worry when you need to come, but whenever you're ready for lunch, lunch is ready at my house, just come over. You don't need to worry about what you look like or whether you're dusty. You just come right over. They told me pork chops are one of your favorite things, so we'll have pork chops, and you can just relax and have a good meal and then come back and, and work on unpacking. I don't think that was actually my first meal in Nebraska, but it was pretty close. It was the first one with a parishioner, for sure. My last meal in Nebraska with a parishioner was with Alice Driscoll and her family at her favorite restaurant. By then, it was almost 10 years later, so she had gone from 85 to more than that. She was having trouble getting around, and so the family came and walked her out to the car, and I remember standing in the 
lobby of that restaurant just weeping. And her son-in-law came and said, what, what? And I said, you know, I'll never see her again. And I never did. But one of the greatest things she gave to me was after she moved from the farm to a house in Axtell where she could sit on her porch and watch the children at the school play to a nursing home in the big town near where we lived. She would talk to me about things that were going on there. And she'd always turn them spiritual somehow. And she said to me, you know, all these people here in this home, they're all very excited about going to heaven. She said, you know, all they really talk about is heaven's coming. Someday we're going to be, someday soon we're going to be in heaven. And she looked at me and she went, kind of grinned, she went, you know, I think it's pretty nice here. I think it's pretty nice here. That's always stuck with me. You know, I go to one of these contemporary churches and they're bopping around and jumping and screaming, Heaven, it'll only get better in heaven! True enough. But remember, better is the superlative of good. That means it's good here. It's good here. It might not seem good every day that you have to wear a mask, that you're afraid of getting a virus, that your kids can't even go trick-or-treating. that your work has slowed down, that the economy is not what it should be, that your neighbors are funny little people who give you grief all the time, that your kids aren't the people you wish they had been, that your grandkids are too much like their kids and not enough like you, that, heck, even the dog won't listen to me anymore. Life is not perfect, but it is good here. See, the seventh chapter of Revelation is about what life will look like on the other side, as they say. And oh my, how glorious it will be. But don't forget that before that... You have to look at the sixth chapter of Revelation to know that literally all hell is going to break forth first. A seal will be broken that will squelch all peace on the earth. A horse and rider will be unleashed that will cause damage to every food and crop that we know. 
A seal will be broken and death and hell will be unleashed and we will see famine and sword and pestilence and wild animals wreaking havoc on earth. And judgment and bloodshed will be on the earth. And many will be killed. And the full moon will become like blood and the stars will fall from the sky. And it will be as if we cannot see the face of the one who sits on the throne. It's pretty bad. Your people say to me all the time, Pastor, don't you think we're living in the end times? And I always say, no. You know why I think that? Two reasons. One, because since Good Friday afternoon over 2,000 years ago, people have been thinking we're living in the end times. One. And two... The Bible is abundantly clear in one thing about end times, and that is none of us know when it will happen. And if you are sitting around thinking you know that we are living in end times, you think you know when it's happening, and therefore it isn't. Go home and think about that for a while. Life is good. Life is hard. But the hard stuff of life that we will know toward the end times is like nothing we have ever known before. And you know what that means? It will be better in heaven. I had a professor once who gave a toast to a couple that was getting married, and she said, may you have lots of good times and a few bad, so you know what the good ones are. If everything were roses and peaches in your life, you wouldn't know what better is. You'd only know what good is. Think about that, too. But here today, we see what heaven will be like. First of all, it will involve people that we may not ever have imagined being there. Of every race and tribe and nation and creed and color and what have you. When I lived in Nebraska, there was this joke about, you know, there was a separate Lutheran heaven. And the rest of us would get in, but nobody would tell them, so they'd think that they were still in their own separate Lutheran heaven. Because we think that way sometimes. Only people like us must be there. No, no, no. That's not what it says. Not at all. The saints of God are there, and they're all kinds of people. And what do they do there? They worship day and night. 
I knew an old guy once named Hayes Vandiver. Hayes Vandiver worked every moment of his waking life. He had seven children, and they would tell stories about sometimes getting left behind when they went to the grocery store or church because they didn't headcount. They grew up not having much, except a dad who was a great role model because he worked every waking moment of his life. Toward the end of his life, I went to see Hayes, and he said to me, If there is no work in heaven, I'm not going. I didn't know how to explain to him that it really wasn't up to him whether he was going or not, but okay. When it says in this text that they worship day and night, that's the word for work. Your work in heaven, the stuff you will do there, the whole purpose for your being is to worship. Worship. Now, what fun it might be If we brought a little of the kingdom of heaven to earth right now and did the work of the people of God and worshipped in spirit and truth as God's children and tasted a little bit of heaven for ourselves. No trial, no tribulation, No trouble, no pain will rob you of that joy. For that is what we are created to do. We are God's children, designed to worship both lamb and shepherd. And hear God say that you will no more hunger, nor thirst, nor the sun strike you, nor the scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne is also our shepherd. And he will guide us to springs of the water of life and wipe away every tear from our eyes. Amen.